This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. We are back, coming in hot. Again, we had, what, a three-hour conversation before this started? Time is anyway. There is stuff going on. Paul doesn't even know what day or time it is. I'll tell you right now. It's <laughs> Monday. We're recording for Tuesday. We have a really interesting topic Tuesday that got covered really well by John, but we're going to break it down even further. We've got a really cool car debate from Alex writing in. And then, yes, we have great questions from you guys. Thank you so much. A quick update. This is podcast episode 870. If you remember, every 25 we do a live podcast. That means the next one coming up would be 875. But we just realized this week we're going to be out of town for 875. So we're going to do it on 876. Letting you know now, it's coming up in a few weeks. Podcast 876 in a few weeks out is going to be a Tuesday podcast. Technically, we'll do it on a Monday night. That is coming soon, our next live one coming up. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Winter is here, and that means it's time to check your windshield wipers. I'm sure you've noticed that old wipers leave streaks across your windshield and simply fail to wipe away the snow, sleet, or rain, which leads to bad visibility. So for last-minute stocking stuffers or any time this winter, look to PowerClear wiper blades from our friends at PowerStop. Since 1995, PowerStop has brought performance brake upgrades to nearly every vehicle on the road, and we've enjoyed their brakes on many of our own cars. Now, PowerStop is bringing affordable safety upgrades to more than just brakes. PowerClear wiper blades feature RealView advanced rubber technology to bring you streak-free, long-lasting visibility in all weather conditions. Forget fussing around with adapters or sizes and trying to figure out which blade kit works for your car. Each wiper blade kit includes the exact size driver and passenger side wipers you need with vehicle-specific attachments. Plus, PowerClear wipers come with a really cool built-in wear indicator so you know when they have to be replaced. This product is rolling out now, so head over to PowerClearWipers.com to learn more and ensure your vehicle is winter ready. John S. writes to us with this headline. The question is, is continual improvement ruining cars for enthusiasts? Hmm. John writes, from a detached objective and specification standpoint, each new generation of a model gets better, he hmm. says. The new version has 50 more horsepower and is Norfa Schieffer lap time. <laughs> One of my all-time favorites gonna, was the... <laughs> I'm going to use that, John. The Burger King ring. Yes, anyway. <laughs> the Norfolk Norfolk Schieffer lap time, yes. The lap time is 20 seconds faster. The turbo in this year's smaller motor gives better low-end torque, and many of the flaws of the previous generations have all been fixed. Mm -hmm. That's what we hear. But as an enthusiast, fun comes from driving engagement, which has little to do with statistics on paper. We kind of said that from the very beginning, John. But he suspects statistics give salespeople talking points to sell cars. Absolutely, you're right. Yes, they do. John suspects new generations of vehicles are the result of a combination of focus groups, which we can't stand, <laughs> and an evaluation of new technology since the last refresh. Mm -hmm. Specifications are drawn up. Engineers are charged with implementing them. Yes. While engineers, don't forget design briefs and mood boards, John. Oh, yeah, those, those happen too. Lots of pictures of like... <laughs> That's like a part of a bird. The, the, the two-week period where you rip images out of magazines uh -huh. go, oh, yeah, that's totally the look that I'm going after. This furniture and that bird and, you know, this cool, like, stereo gadget and I know we can't do leopard print, but I just like the feel of it. I'm going for that style. Yes. He says, while engineers are qualified to design and build ever-improved versions, John is not sure their rigorous mathematical training qualifies them to optimize the perfect emotional connection that we enthusiasts crave. Wow, okay. Or if they would be empowered to do so. That's probably the larger problem, yeah. Mm -hmm. This leads John to wonder if there was a time that this emotional connection was optimal because mm. he feels the inevitable march of technology continues to erode our precious connection. Hmm. For example, the transition from hydraulic to electronic steering, the yep. transition from six-cylinder high-revving naturally aspirated motors to small torquey turbo ones, the increased electronic control of most functions, 
And the big elephant in the room, which is the increased size and weight of almost all models. Like an elephant in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if we look at Porsche 911s, John writes, it would be hard to argue that each generation isn't an improvement over the previous one in performance, but how about engagement? Mm-hmm. You would argue that fixing many of the issues the prior generations have ironically squeezed out the character embodied in their flaws. We have actually said this, and we've actually said it about the Volkswagen lineup. In fact, I've said that I fear that Porsche is on a 20-year trajectory behind Volkswagen, who made really interesting, like, fizzy cars in the 80s and 90s, and by now everything is mute. And, yeah, Porsche's headed that way. I hate to say it. Yeah. John, I said we should pour some more olive juice in the martini. Let's dirty things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then and then the last time you said that about wanting the Germans to get crazy, they came back with beaver teeth. So we got to be careful what we say. Ooh. Yeah. All right. From John's perspective, peak cars were maxed in the early noughties, like 997-911s, the raw Cayman 987s, BMW E46s, and 1M parts bin specials. <laughs> we love that car. <laughs> it is. It's such it's a like great this, car. Yeah. <laughs> Honda S2000s and many others from that generation, because of their engagement, smaller size, lower weight, glorious, often naturally aspirated motors, and perhaps most importantly, some of their flaws. Mm. Thankfully, there are still a few obvious outliers like the Toyota GR86 and the Mazda Miata. Yes. But squeezing the goodness out of formerly great cars seems to apply to most major manufacturers and models. That's why John would applaud small companies like Gordon Murray. Yeah. (laughs) It's easy to applaud him if you have the cash. I mean, I want one, but Mm -hmm. he'll say bring about four million bucks and you're at the back of the line. Yeah, exactly. And Lotus, he writes, who seemed to be able to prioritize emotion over the cycle of improvement in Mm. creating the new T cars and the new Amira. Both of which he suspects will have quirks that many will view as flaws and some of us will fall in love with. John, this is really, really well stated, man. We we, we have said many of the things you're saying prior to now, and we love that you brought this up. And I want to unpack it a little bit, but uh, you've said it very, very well. The bottom line here is you are right. I mean, we have said you cannot drive a spec sheet since we started this show mm-hmm. because that was always, it's always the way all of us have, have, sh- have cars presented to us. You have the sheet. I, look, I did it. You get the car magazine and you flip to the back. Mm-hmm. to see the spreadsheet set yep. up on the back four or five yep. pages to see what what's the fastest and oh that car you review but where does it zero to 60 come in and, and ultimately that kind of tells you nothing it's great for bragging rights but it tells you nothing about the connection of a car but i think the, the larger problem and we'll come back to cars here but i think the larger problem i was just thinking about this as consumers as people that buy things Mm-hmm. Your TV, That's everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your TV, your whatever it is you buy, your coffee maker, your refrigerator. You're never buying one that is does less than the last one you had. It's true. My espresso machine died just last week, so I had to order a new one. It's still not here yet, so I have to go out mm-hmm. for coffee every day. <laughs> but kind of getting expensive. But but this is the thing that we do though. If we're gonna replace something. Your couch, I don't care what it is, it has to be better than the one you're replacing. And we justify, as we do on the show all the time, spending more because, well, it also does more. I mean, this is the consumer trap we're all in. Consumers don't buy less. And we're trained to only, if you're going to replace a thing, you only can replace that with a thing that does more than your last one like that. And in many cases, laptops, phones, whatever, your last one was doing fine. It does probably it everything you needed to do. Died. Yeah. <laughs> and you need yeah. the replacement. So I, what's what's funny is ultimately, and you say this all the time, Paul, we're talking about a constant cycle of improvement to make bigger, better, because that's what consumers want. And ultimately, cars are just huge, expensive consumer products. And there's no, there's no part of our life where we buy less. We mm. only buy more. Mm. And you apply that to cars, and, and back to what John was saying, marketing teams and everything, we have to have more to brag about than the last version, even if it costs more, because people only buy more than last time. How long would you say this has been going on? Just generally rough, just in your perception as a, the, a consumer. The just buying more? The buying more, just the headspace of, you know what, I could supersize that, or I could go to Costco or Sam's Post Club. World War II. Okay. We had Great Depression before World War II. Okay. Then we had World War II where there were restrictions and people were you know, doing stuff for the boys overseas. But after World War II, you've got the baby boom and explosion and we become this, ma- and not just the U.S., but just in general, we become this massive consumer-focused society where the next thing has to be better than the last one. This is a new market. 
Marketers are always looking for the new market. Mm -hmm. Car companies are the biggest ones. Not only do they have to make money, they're, they're obligated now. Harley Earl started it, mm, mm. and we can thank him and blame him because cars became a fashion item, yeah, and yeah. therefore people wanted the next one, and it put us in this now more than 100-year cycle of car companies being obligated to build something next. Mm. They wouldn't be allowed to just keep making the same one. Look, we've really sorted it out. Just keep, <laughs> this keep building works. it. It works. <laughs> Buy it. It just Toyota works. Tacoma. Built for 20 years. They just Built replaced that. Built for 50. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> we just sell yeah. one. We've uh -huh. we invented it. Here's the model. This Here's is what truck. it looks like. Buy it or don't. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep making this until the world stops spinning. It's the Ford Model T. This works. Why would we do it again? But yeah. this could be a new market, John. Mm. Follow my thinking. And that is making something that's flawed is the wrong word. Character. But the things that we're looking for. Because mm. technology, the answer is yes. What I learned at Autodesk, mm. and many of you already know, this was revelatory to me. The answer is always yes. We'd like to do blank. You go to a customer. I, I was part of the, I was yeah. a subject matter expert mm -hmm. for the transportation design, the automotive sales team. So I was the subject matter expert in terms of design and visualization. So I worked with sales, uh, salespeople, and then the consulting team would always say yes. Oh, big company X. You'd have a customer say, can the software do this? Can the software do this? The, the big counterpoint there is, why does it need to do that? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they always try to stump the chump. Like, well, sure. does it do this? Well, why do you need it to do that? Or are you just trying to stump me? Sure, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. just trying to get me. <laughs> but if they need something and you have a genuine mm -hmm. need and they demonstrate that, and you know what? Your process could be expedited. We mm -hmm. could mm -hmm. do it faster, better, cheaper, whatever. Pick one. And we could... The answer is always yes. Mm. The follow-up question is how much time and money do you have? <laughs> because yep. those tech companies have limited finite resources in people to be able to assign to that project, but also when do they need to implement it and how much company X are you willing to spend on this thing for that mm -hmm. button or to add a radio button to this pop-up menu to do the new function of whatever? Yeah. Yes, we can. Yes is the answer. So for all this tech that's mm. going into cars, mm -hmm. If it's very tech focused, why isn't the answer for character? Yes. Ooh. Why can't we like build it. in character? And like I said, I keep coming to that word flaws, mm -hmm. but we love those quirks and flaws. And that's why all these auction sites are doing so well, because that's what people are looking for. They will continue to do really well mm -hmm. for the rest of time because <laughs> they don't make them like they used to. Yeah. But here's this new market. Mm -hmm. We've been trying to get to the more for every step. Is, is there a market for car companies to introduce part of their enthusiast models mm -hmm. really cater to that? Because for example, this Nissan Nismo Z sure. yeah, yeah. that we recently mm -hmm. drove on one hand, it's really good. And I'm trying to justify acknowledge mm. Nissan's choice to only put a nine-speed auto in this yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm not with you on that. But, I, but I, you're I, trying to understand trying it, to, though. I I'm understand. Trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive it and understand, like, okay, is this... Would, would I do the same thing? Would mm -hmm. I arrive at that same mm -hmm. choice? I, do, I am not privy to their budget. I'm not privy sure. to their resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their choices of, you know what? It just doesn't, you know, and just doesn't justify the means or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, so we just stuck with the automatic. I'm not privy to any of that information to arrive at their decision-making. But from an enthusiast standpoint, you made the point. Well, you, you have a manual already mm -hmm. and the power isn't that much greater than the base Z. It's mm -hmm. like 20 more horsepower. It can easily handle the power. Why don't we just change the clutch plate? If, if, if we even need to do that, mm -hmm. why don't we just make a manual? Why don't you give the people what they want? <laughs> what is the problem car mm -hmm. companies in holding it back? And it, are you trying to trickle it out? Are you trying to, mm -hmm. will the mm -hmm. Nismo Z come out with a manual? And then mm -hmm. everybody who bought the automatic is like, ugh. Thanks, guys. Really? Yeah. <laughs> now yeah, yeah. you mm -hmm. tell me? Why are car companies holding back? Why are they not embracing what enthusiasts want, which does drive the sales of all their non-enthusiast models? Mm -hmm. Because you think, well, if this car that I really love is great, why don't I get the SUV version of that? 911s and Cayennes, that's the whole sure. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Audi RS6 Avants. You're right, yeah. Big SUVs and whatever the sports car is to draw you in. Can't afford one of that because I need back seats. How about a Panamera, sir? How about a 5 Series? How about a whatever? Is there a new market for these car companies to investigate? The market that's 
old that didn't ever mm. used to be a market now something to pursue like hey we've we've dirted the martini I, that's the best analogy <laughs> i can come up with yeah yeah <laughs> we kick sand on your toast or we, <laughs> sandy toast <laughs> whatever it was sweeping the nation was, yeah my food was cooking in the campfire and it was fine <laughs> until you rolled up and this giant cloud of dust went now it's right sandy toast. in my pancakes mm -hmm. thanks a lot or something like I that it. i get and, it you know a little gritty Still good flavor, though. I'm picking grit out of my teeth. but Well, we're also talking about, this is a little weird, but we're also talking about the difference between ease and emotion. And I want to see if I can clarify what I mean. We as people, and I heard somebody say this forever ago, and I thought it was absolutely genius. They made the comment where if you want to make a really successful product, this is a person who made multiple, make something that makes people's lives easier, allows them to be lazier, and this person had made lots of money doing exactly that, creating products that made life a little easier, lazier. I don't have to do as much because fundamentally, yeah. that's what we would like our technology and our stuff to do is just make life easier. But then the <laughs> flip side is the person you fall in love with is never in that category. Mm. They didn't make your life easier. Your life is easier as much as you, I mean, I've been married a long time. As much as you love them, as much as you may love your kids or whoever, they didn't make your life easier. The things True. in your life that you love make your life harder. Yeah. Emotions that we have on, on your, your kids, your spouse, your dog, your whatever, things we feel emotional about are always messy. And somehow... And expensive. Exactly. Somehow that rise and fall is what makes us engage and love them. It's the antiseptic things that make our life easier. We like them. We don't love them. We, don't, we aren't connected to it. When it breaks, it frustrates us because it broke. But we're not like, oh, that was my favorite. We don't care. I'm going to buy another one. My point here is cars are both. That's where we're struggling. Yes. yes. Cars are steadily becoming more and more of a product that is just designed to make life easier. And we've talked about this a lot. Go back to trucks from the 90s and supercars from the 90s, both of which were messy, both of which weren't very luxurious. They did their job. The trucks were over here being trucks. The supercars were over here being nutty. Okay, they were. I don't fit. The trucks weren't I'm nice. I'm pain. It's too hot. Yes, the trucks weren't nice, and the exotic cars yeah. were difficult to drive. Yeah. But slowly over time... We have merged those realities. And now if you go buy a pickup, it's quite luxurious in there. And this rides really well. And I have everything I've ever wanted in a luxury car in my enormous Silverado. Whatever. TRX. Yeah. Whatever yeah, you yeah, pick it. Exactly. Whatever this is going to crush this neighborhood and do a sand dune. And by the way, my cooled seat is wonderful. Why do both those things exist? And over here in <laughs> your supercar. Seriously. <laughs> over here in a supercar, we figured out cup holders and heated and cooled seats. Yeah. In my supercar? Yeah. So I, the yeah. problem is that as we try to make things more comfortable, we're making them less lovable. And when I look back at the things in technology that people are turning against, I'm not talking in mass. Do you know anybody with a self-wound watch? Me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there are people I know who... You among them, me, who like a watch, they have to wind themselves. We've moved past this. Yeah. The technology yeah. exists that you never have to do that again. Do you know anybody that has a huge vinyl record collection? My question for yeah. you is, from a ease of use standpoint, I'd like to listen to a song now. Why do they have that? That's annoying. You got to go over there. You got to find the album. You got to pull it out. You got to pull the record. You got to place it on. You do the arm. You got to... What? It's the warmth of the tone. But you see what I'm it's saying? The tone. There are things that, that we fall in love with that we are turning away as products. I'm wondering if there's going to be a revolt at some point on e-bikes. I'm wondering if there is going to be a movement in bikes, because you and I love to mountain it's bike. It's already happening with scooters. Where, you know what? <laughs> I don't want the bike to help me. I want to pedal myself. I'm wondering if that's Steam coming. Steampunk the world. Seriously. So, But this is interesting, because those things that have become super easy in our life, there is a segment of the population that goes... I want the more difficult analog experience that involves me yeah. because I like this thing. The next iPhone will have a rotary dial? Maybe, maybe. And I kept thinking also, if you want to go back to the analog world of cars, naturally aspirated, manual transmission, manual steering, non-assisted steering, mm -hmm. the last bastion of that was the Lotus Elise. 
Nobody's done that combination since then, and they probably never, ever will. No, and regulations have gotten in the way as far as crash mm-hmm. standards, and I'm all for that. I'm all for safety, safety sure. standards sure, getting sure. Yeah, better. Yeah. But to rise to those challenges geographically, politically, mm-hmm. whatever the, the market they're going to sell a car into, you have to meet crash standards. You have to meet all that. So you're right. That will never happen again. We cannot say, car manufacturers, just go back to building the Elise equivalent of whatever your brand makes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Steering wheel, a seat, mm-hmm. nothing else. That's why those cars are so beloved mm-hmm. and will continue to sell on auction sites. But what is the other balance? That Apple car kind of worries me because mm-hmm. it's going to be perfect. Theoretically, yeah. It's going to be literally your iPhone on wheels. It will be perfect in every way there's it's just perfect if they even bother that's what they're going to shoot for you're right yeah there will be no flaws i mean there's flaws with apple products i'm not saying they're perfect yeah i understand what you're saying yeah but it'll just do everything they have to make it to appeal to a huge wide market Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or or to go the other side that's that's kind of tricky to drive or right. in, in an exciting way. It's like, right. ooh, that really wants to rotate. I'm, I'm doing a lot of oversteer. Apple brings nope. back snap, nope. on, snap yeah. oversteer to the Man, market. The Apple car has manual steering. <laughs> Never going to happen. Because yeah. you know why? Because it's hard in parking lots. Yeah. I mean, literally, that would be the choice. Got to make it easy. But for car manufacturers to continue to sell cars into the future, which is what they are trained and obligated to do, mm-hmm. That's why we have many generations. I mean, eventually, the Toyota Tacoma will be generation number 70 or generation number 102. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. They are obligated to continue to refine and develop and make it better, make it different. Mm-hmm. Part of that is consumer tastes. So they have to mm-hmm. bring those mm-hmm. into, into play. Yep. The Tacoma's gotten very good. Mm-hmm. Tundras are huge because people want huge yep. trucks to yep. be in. But I feel like there's, there's some happy medium somewhere in there that isn't quite defined, that isn't, it's, it's a little nebulous. That's also kind of what makes it exciting because all those cars yeah, yeah, that yeah. have flaws and characters are kind of hard to define. Mm. Well, it, it's kind of, it's just a cool car. Well, why do you like it? Well, it just gives me this feeling. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Glad you own one. Glad it makes you happy. That's what we want. But is there this new market? Because from here on out, it's a depressing thought to think, gosh, cars are pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. They're only going to get better? Mm. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And they're going to get more refined and better? Does, do they snap together like Legos now? Like, <laughs> I do feel like I'm sitting on my couch at home. I'm watching a TV the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little scary. Yeah. It either drives the auction markets and makes all these cars so in demand, more companies will come up with replicas of all mm, of these cars. Mm-hmm. They'll re- they'll take one, re-engineer it down to the last nut and bolt, mm-hmm. and make a version of that, and either have to like, license it from like the, the company continuation or cars. build a continuation yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Or there's a that's market good. for car companies to find some model with flaws, and that's the marketing brief. Well. Yes, and the other, I love that. The other thing I think that's happening as we're talking about this, I think there's going to have to be, and, and there may be all of us listening, the enthusiasts are going to have to want simpler, and I'm going to put it in this perspective. Do you know anybody with a flip phone? And I don't mean a new <laughs> phone that has a screen that folds out. I mean yeah. a phone that actually flips open and is it's a dumb phone. It's not a smartphone, it's a dumb phone. <laughs> StarTag, Nextel. <laughs> exactly. My, yeah. my point there is when you talk to people that have one of those, they almost always say the same thing. Some variant of, I just want it to be a phone. It doesn't need to do anything. I just want it to be a phone. <laughs> and and this is what happens with wine watches or, anal- or, or vinyl records or an analog car. And I'm thinking about Gordon Murray because you brought it up, John. They're wildly expensive, his new cars. But if you break down what he's really made in those new T cars... He's made a money-no-object car that is just trying to be a car, a great car. It's not trying to be your commute device that has Apple CarPlay and will drive itself and is easy to park and I have to pick up the kids and you know what, we're going on vacation this summer and you know what, I'm worried about if I park it under a tree and it gets bird pooped. It's just a car. It just is for driving. That's its entire purpose. And so cars- There's no modes. 
It's just car. Modeless cars. It might have modes, but the point I'm making here, <laughs> the point I'm making here is... Mode-free cars. When we talk, talk about <laughs> cars, the, the one car that does everything, and look, that's this car debate's happened many, many times where people are like, I have to have one car that goes tracking and picks up the kids. I get it. Most of us need our cars to do lots and lots of things, but the flip side is there's going to have to be a segment of the market that just wants a car to just be a car. I don't care if it pampers me or does anything else. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a car in the same way this is a record, in the same way this is a wine watch, in the same way this is just a phone. And without that demand, those products won't exist. And what's happening, unfortunately, and Gordon Murray proves it, it's becoming one of those things that is a luxury item. People are willing to pay exorbitant amounts to get something that is simple and focused. Mm-hmm. And that, that, mm-hmm. that is le- this is what's happened. That's left the common man market and now gone to a luxury. It's flipped, become a luxury item where I'd like to pay more for this to be focused. Bringing it back to the Z, if you haven't seen that review, it was part of the Dark Horse and GR Super comparison on, mm-hmm. on our original channel, but also the new Nismo Z has come out on our test drive channel. And it only has one suspension setting. It's just sports car. <laughs> There's nothing else. It's just, this is the suspension. So you can kind of, your, your activities with it are mm. limited. That's how we market these cars. <laughs> Activity limited? Yeah. We got to spin it so it's, it seems like a yeah, tool for the job. There, there are settings on the, the Nismo, but, it, but, it's, but it's, never, it's never soft. It's it has never to do with transmission car. shift points and how it thinks for you, though. That's the main thing. The softest setting on the, on the Nismo Z is not like, oh, it's a luxury car. No, 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 still a sports car. Over mm. here, still being a sports car. Hmm. I like mode-free cars. Or <laughs> No change to the steering. The suspension doesn't change. Yep. That's actually easier because it's a less complicated suspension. It is. And what's pr- the problem is... We can save money and charge less. I'm off, I'm off into other random car things. Car companies. I've, I've cracked it. <laughs> it's that a, but here we have an We can make cars cost less. <laughs> wow. Don't make them do as much stuff. Today on the podcast, cheaper, simpler cars. <laughs> wow, my head hurts too. But, but this leads us back to a separate problem, which is... I, this is going to sound weird. The apprenticeship problem that also exists. Because the people that were out there that knew how to make one suspension that was good for everything on the type of car you chose, that's a dying art because now we can fix it with adjustable dampers. If you've ever been in a car, and I've been yeah, in a few, yeah. you're in a car where this suspension setting is fine for everything. Yeah. That's a skill. And now that skill is going away because you know what? We'll just, we don't want to make the damper change it. There's a market here. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whatever car you're looking for, and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars. One search. Alex V is asking us a question for today's car debate. Mm -hmm. He's wondering about forsaking reliability for anything else. Alex, thank you for writing. He's a longtime listener of the show, and we were unaware. Yes, Alex, he writes, we were really there for you when you were trying to learn more about cars and the automotive industry in general. Mm. I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah, that's awesome, Alex. The reason he's writing to us is because he's 28 years old, and his long-term driving history can be summed up as having owned white V6 sedans for far too long. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Alex. Okay, all right. (laughs) We're here to help. Yes. He owned an O2 Chevy Impala for almost five years and then a Ford Taurus for four years. But before Mm. that, he had brief stints with hand-me-down Chevy Tahoes and a Pontiac minivan. Wow. He's ready to break the mold, Mm -hmm. shatter the mold. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
but he has this conundrum of reality versus deep desire. Yeah, what about Alex, something reliable? What about something I like? You are not alone. No, you're not. <laughs> All of us listening, we are your people. Yes, for sure. His top choices for the next car are a Lexus IS350 F-Sport, okay. a Volkswagen Mark 7 GTI, a Subaru, a Subaru WRX, and believe it or not, a Ford F-150 Raptor. That's not the same as the others. I just want to point that out real quick. Anyway, onward. Yeah, okay. Budget is twenty five grand with a Paul limiter of $28,000. Hmm. Alex's heart wants the GTI desperately. Okay. But so many people have told him, get the Lexus or the Subaru since they're reliable. He knows that he'd likely have less cars and care and feeding with those two options. Mm-hmm. But is he wrong to forsake the reliability of something like a Lexus or a Subaru for a GTI or even a Raptor? Hmm. Or is there another option he is missing here that could perhaps scratch the GTI itch? Hmm. He's open to sedans, hatchbacks, and perhaps a truck. <laughs> As you noticed. Is there a cream for the GTI itch? Is that fixable? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You have the GTI itch. Moving on. I mean, Alex, I, first off, one of the things you, you haven't said, and, and, and there's no way for us to know, but one of the things you haven't said is, why do you want a GTI so badly? You haven't clarified. That's like that's become the car you're dreaming about, and I don't understand why. I'm not saying there's anything technically mm. wrong with it, mm. but you seem to be like focused on like why not the GTI? And I'm asking you the flip side, which is why that one. But I want to come back around. The big thing I want to share with you, Alex, is this: How do you, Alex, measure reliability? Because ah. some people measure reliability as a blending of two thoughts: it doesn't randomly break. Combined with, I never have to do anything to it. What do you mean I have to change the oil? What do you mean the brakes wear out? What do you mean the tires are bald? Seriously, I've known plenty of people that are like this, okay? My parents suffer from this problem to an extent until I got really into cars. was like, you got to fix that, okay? But I paid all this money for this car. This should just run. Exactly. I just just put gas in it and nothing else ever happens. So so the the big question is, I'll go go to Porsche products real quick because... We've all, you and I and everyone associated with the show have had this experience. Generally, not always, generally, they don't randomly break. Most modern Porsches don't randomly break, but they require quite a bit of maintenance to keep them running well. True. And when the maintenance, the intervals happen, you really ought to do that. And it really will cost you quite a bit. So if you're a person who wants to spend nothing on your car but gas, you really shouldn't buy a Porsche. Not because they're not reliable, because you're going to miss the maintenance, and then it will start breaking. Most people intertwine reliability and maintenance. So my comment to you Mm -hmm. here mainly is, most cars without a ton of miles on them, if you maintain them, will be reliable. Lexus has the reputation of being reliable and requiring almost no maintenance. It is both. So I want to step you away from the fact that a car has to be reliable, meaning I never put any money into it ever, and give you the the training, if you will, that if you want to buy a fun car, especially a performance car, the stuff that it needs to be maintained is stuff you have to do. Alex, I'm fascinated by this. I didn't take care of my espresso machine <laughs> lately. Although I have done we're, the, co- we're coming full circle. I, I like this. Good. I am yeah. bitter about my espresso machine. I, I've, I've heard. Well, I had you are it, a coffee guy. I had it nine years. Yeah. I descaled it constantly. Okay. Although this last go around, I didn't scale it in time. Descale it in time. And it totally died. <laughs> the coffee machine lit up like a Volkswagen GTI at 60,000 miles, like instrument Ooh, panel Christmas tree. Like, there it yeah. is. Like it, yeah. And I read through the directions. I did the troubleshooting. It I had a check engine it. light. You don't know why. I adjusted the grind for the beans. <laughs> I did everything possible. I wasted a lot of coffee beans, by the way. Okay. I'm kind right. of upset about it. <laughs> and I've had to pay all this money for a new one. And by the way, yes, I did upgrade because now one that does the milk frother and uh-huh. the steam wand. I've never seen that before. And it's uh, that's what I'm saying. Stupid expensive. We're back to the beginning. Yep. And they're stupidly complicated. Mm-hmm. I just want really great espresso. I'll get a, quickly. I'll, I'll get some water this morning and I'll be good. You I, need a specific. I don't want to stand there and, and yeah, deal know. with the whole. I yep. mean, I'm. I appreciate that. I need it right now. <laughs> Push the button. Yes. Give me espresso. Do not talk to my friend Paul prior to coffee. I have learned this years ago. I had to throw away this. I mean, it was 1200 bucks nine years ago, and it was the semi-automatic machine. And oh. But I got nine years out of it, and okay. I just... Cars are another step beyond that. They're, Big time. Yeah. They do need that maintenance. That way, you won't have your espresso machine... Well, it... 
instrument panel. What, I don't know what else to call it. The, the dashboard on the your espresso, espresso CEL. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's I mean, through. But, but oh my dang gosh. it! I got to plug into the OBD port on my espresso maker and figure out <laughs> what, what this code is. What are you doing, Al- Alex? You I, I want to say this to you as well, and this may be controversial to some people, but I don't necessarily think that a older Subaru WRX is going to be much more reliable than an yeah, old GTI. Yeah, that's, that's Because the WRX is known, has known issues with that engine and other things, and a lot of people that drive the WRX aren't kind to it. So I think a used WRX and a used GTI are probably a similar amount of dice rolling. So I want to throw out a couple of pieces of drive homework. Good. I really want Good. you to drive a Mini Cooper. That is no more scary to maintain than a GTI, yeah, and I would yeah. argue potentially more fun. Okay. Mini Cooper, possibly even the John Cooper works. And I'm going to go beyond your budget for a car in a minute. But another car I know you could get out there for your budget is the BMW M235 or M240. So it's last gen. Uh-huh. Two you could series. get it for that money. Easy. Chuckable rear-wheel drive. Much more fun than the Lexus. Yes. Good rear-wheel drive dynamics. Possible in manual transmission as well. Come on, the M235, M240. That's a really fun car. And then there's a brand new car for you that I also believe in its reliability. It's just slightly above your budget. New Civic Si. Civic Si is on my list. You would Thank love you. that car. You'd love that car, Thank Alex. You. That is worth the stretch because now I'll take it. Take you this way. The reason that's worth the stretch is because it's new and has a warranty. I like your BMW choice. I do think you should investigate those. You're going to have to take care of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do. If you want a GTI, yes is the answer. Sure. Let's yes, get you yes a GTI. Is the answer. Yep. You have spent far too long, as you articulated in your email, being bored and wishing for something else. <laughs> yes. So let's introduce a new level of fear. I'm just kidding. Let's introduce <laughs> a new level of care and feeding, which I feel like has been pushed down, mm. it's been repressed. I think you want to take care of your car and you're willing to. Mm. And by getting a car that you're ready mm. to, to take care of and invest in, those cars will run great. A GTI that's well-maintained will run great. Yeah, that's a fair they'll, point. They'll just do great. Yeah. Any car, you maintain yeah. them. Sure, there's stuff that's going to happen to any car. Absolutely. But I feel like all of us enthusiasts are more willing to give it a mulligan because it brings me so much joy. Yeah, you're right. You're and right. I want you to feel that despite whatever unknowns might come your way. Mm, and I bet mm. you, you will still tell us, guys, it was still worth it. Something blew up and it was still so much fun. <laughs> it was worth having it. And I don't care that I had to pay two grand for the thing that broke. Like, okay, it does. Things happen. Mm, We've all mm. been there. I think you should allow yourself to do this because... Part of this email, I think you're asking permission from us, but I think you're asking permission from yourself, Yeah, Alex. that's good. That's really good. And you need to give yourself permission. I love the Honda Civic Si because that's a nice balance. A lot of good horsepower, great mileage, and it's a Honda. Mm. What a great combination. I would choose that over the GTI. As a matter of fact, we did that comparison. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Go find that on our original channel. And also, I had the Hyundai Veloster N for another hatchback consideration. Yes, agreed. Veloster Ns mm-hmm. are easily within your budget, slightly used. Mm-hmm. They're out of production. Car. It's a great car. What a sweet little ride. Yeah, They're that's really good. Fun. Every time you're going to want to push it to the max every time you get in this car. Great car. Yes. And the BMWs, that's a great rear wheel drive choice because all of these that you've had have all been front wheel drive. Well, yeah. the Tahoe and the, yeah, just the Tahoe, the Pontiac minivan is probably front wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah, let's get you a rear-wheel drive. I like the BMW, but again, a generation back and more used for less money. Now we're we're taking on some responsibility and Mm -hmm. some potential maintenance, and you're going to have to dive in. But I feel like you're kind of ready, and you Mm kind of want to. Mm, That's good. So let's get you a car that, in the category of fun, exceeds my fear of maintenance. And that is what will do it for you, Alex. That's very good. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some good questions. A couple of them actually have California connections today, which is interesting. I'm going to start right here with Ted on Facebook. Do we miss, actually say, do y'all miss? Are you from Are you from the South or are you from SoCal? Anyway, <laughs> do we miss the car culture of Southern California or do we believe it's overhyped? Ooh. Uh, Ted, I want to unpack this two different ways. The short answer is I don't miss it, 
because I have discovered what amazing car culture actually does exist wherever you are. The Utah area car culture is much bigger than I ever imagined. I thought when I moved from LA to the Salt Lake City area, it was going to be like, it'll be me and like a couple of people in WRXs. No, it's everything. It's Mm -hmm. everything. Now, the thing about California that I do miss is it's year-round there. True. The problem here, the car culture here is fantastic. I've met some great people. I've seen every car I could imagine I've seen in the Salt Lake City. (laughs) We even have a rematch dealer. It's it's shocking, the the range of stuff here. So so I think that's possible everywhere. But the problem is for four to six months out of the year, depending upon the winter, it goes completely dormant. Mm-hmm. Because most people are not driving their sports cars in the winter, and all the really great roads we have are all closed and snowed in. So everybody goes kind of underground and hides in their garages for four to six months. And then when it's springtime, there's this explosion of people like spring flowers, like, oh my gosh, the sun, you know? So <laughs> Porsche, 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 Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari, Ferrari. Yes. So what, what I miss is because we were actually, when we just shot all this Maserati content recently, it was 70 degrees in January and we were in t shirts and we looked at each other and we were like, oh, oh, this is, oh, this is why. <laughs> That's true. This is the car culture benefit of Southern California. Yes. It's, it's the weather that it allows for year round car love that I miss, but not the culture itself. Call that the sunshine tax. That yes, you have it to pay is. For in California. Thomas D. asked the difference between chassis dynamics and handling. Mm. What do reviewers mean when they say a car has great chassis dynamics, like in our Gran Turismo review? Well, you'll notice in that review, we kind of compared it to a GR86. Mm. It's all about the weight, the distribution of weight How in the platform. Its weight. Yeah. It almost, it does, but it almost doesn't matter the size of the vehicle. Mm. It does, mm-hmm. but yeah, stay yeah. with me. It matters how it handles that weight and manages that weight. The Audi e-tron GT and the Porsche Taycan handle well, but the chassis dynamics are f- practically dead. Mm. They're, they're 50-50 perfect weight balance. There's just no, I, I can't feel the weight of the car anywhere. So sure, it, it turns in, but that means it handles well because it's so engineered so crisp, so quick to turn in, but Interesting. Okay. I'm not feeling anything. Mm. As drivers, we're not feeling it. We think, oh, this has great handling, but I can't, I'm, I'm completely isolated from the road. Mm. The, the weight distribution is so perfectly even. It's just even. There's, there's no sure, I see how you're defining chassis, it. Yeah. Any, there's mm-hmm. no, no motion going on. You'll feel it when you drive a 911. You're like, oh, there's weight back there. I got to mm-hmm. drive differently. Mm-hmm. When I, any motions that I do with a car, I've got to manage that differently. Driving a 911 versus a front engine car. The handling is very separate from the chassis dynamics because that Gran Turismo is big. And Todd and I are thinking, oh, man, big, Mm -hmm. heavy thing, and it's not going to handle. Oh, my gosh. Mm. The way it manages that weight, because guess where that engine in the Gran Turismo is? Mm -hmm. It's fully behind the front axle. We popped the hood and went, huh, this technically is a front mid-engine car. And they have installed the front differential just underneath the engine. So it is almost slightly behind the front axle too. Mm. You draw a dotted line through the, through the axle. What's hanging over the axle is really the steering rack. That's all that's really in the way. It's fascinating how they have packaged mm. this car, but that gives it, it almost doesn't matter if the ratio is fast or slow. The chassis dynamics are what make that thing dance. You're, let me give you the other side of the equation. Have you ever driven a pickup where you can feel the chassis flexing when you go over like expansion joints or over a bowler? You can oh, yeah. feel that the, the front and the back are not actually on a flat plane anymore. Okay. Yikes. There's been some twist somewhere. Okay. So, so that is the thing when, when all of that weight is handled very well, you can, let me go to something like the Phaeton or a seven series or an S class. You don't think of those cars that handle well, but if the chassis are done right, it's an isolation chamber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you put it into a corner, when I say this handle, I mean, it's big. When I say it handles well, it might handle well for its size, but like really good handling. Right. But you can have a K car. All right. Okay. That handles really well because it's tiny and, yeah. you can, and, and you can chuck it into a corner and it has no weight, but you can also feel that the chassis flexes. They're not like super rigid <laughs> yeah, cars. True. So you can separate the two realities there. Here's a car that handles well, but the chassis dynamics are a little terrifying. <laughs> One of the harder variants I've seen in a while of track daily crush. Oh, are you going to tackle this? Here's the idea. The concept is one of them is they were picking three roads. One is you only drive it and stop and go traffic. One of them is a track pick of no traffic. And the last one is no speed limits. Mm. So one of the roads, 
You only do stop and go. One of them is a track with no traffic, and the last one is no speed limit on that road. The three choices are Million Dollar Highway, the Canyons of Malibu, and Tale of the Dragon. I Did th- you sort I this out? I, I think I have this solved. Okay. I okay. think I have this right. solved. I think, and I will admit I've never driven Tale of the Dragon. I'm familiar with it. I've watched plenty of videos on it. I'm aware of where it goes. Here's what I think happens. I think the thing in stop and go traffic is Million Dollar Highway because I've done that road quickly and I've done it behind an RV. And the reality is that road is breathtaking at any speed. <laughs> There's no guardrail, so the faster you go, the more it takes your breath away. True, but 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 seriously, it's gorgeous, and you can't yeah. believe the road exists, and you can't believe you're in this place seeing it no matter what speed you're going. Now, it's better to go faster, but I don't want to do Mal- Malibu Canyons and stop-and-go traffic ever. Mm. And I don't want to do Tale of the Dragon and stop-and-go traffic either. No. But if you were on Million Dollar Highway, you'd be like, this is really still gorgeous, and I'm really getting to see everything. Because it's stop and go. So that's my stop and okay, go. Okay, okay. Um, my track pick, no traffic, is Tale of the Dragon. Because yeah. the biggest problem people have with that generally is traffic. And also because of the nature of the road, it's not like you're going to hit obscene speeds. But the canyon roads of LA, you can hit obscene speeds. So I want no speed limit in the canyons of LA okay. because you can get high into the triples in the right places. You can, you can, yeah. You just are worried about being caught high, high of the triples. So no speed limits in the California canyons. It's only illegal if you get caught, right? It, well, yes, technically. <laughs> you're only in trouble if you get caught. <laughs> right, right. It's illegal across the we board. We are not promoting speeding. There are many, many things in life Backpedal. where you're only in trouble <laughs> if you get caught. It's in <laughs> yes, that category. Yes. Dammit Patton on Instagram says, what makes a good Cars and Coffee style event for us? Mm. And what aspects can ruin a Cars and Coffee? I'm going to start there. Okay. That is trying to show off on your way out the door. Mm-hmm. Revving your engine, trying to do a burnout. That's why Mustang videos exist, because everybody's <laughs> trying to leave the Cars and Coffee in a flame of glory. And they, they do, actually. <laughs> Sideways that, into a crowd. That yeah. works out. Mm-hmm. And also, don't bring the, the sandwich board. Don't yeah. stand by your car. Mm-hmm. Park and leave your car. Walk around. Go yeah. walk around. Mm-hmm. Go meet people. Talk about things other than cars. I do like the sandwich board as a, as a no-go. I do agree with that. Do yeah, not good. stand by your car mm-hmm. ready to suck in some poor yeah. sap that's... Yeah. You're just going to unload all your car information because they don't know anything about your car and you're just going to unload <laughs> about all the money and time and look at my custom engine. Please don't do that. <laughs> These are good. That's, those are both very good, Paul. I'm going to add on to this. I'm going to say, I want as many kinds of cars as possible. Agree. I don't want to show up and see this as a tuner show or a JDM show or a muscle car show. I don't want that. Yes. I want everything you can imagine. Yes. From the person that showed up in their project car that barely runs to the newest and greatest hyper car and everything in between. I want as much variety as possible. And we're blessed here in Park City that our local Cars and Coffee gets everything you can imagine. I want a lot of that. And I like your walk around and talk to people. Don't lurk by your car. That's Don't a great one. Don't lurk. And then I will also say this. If you put the hood of your car up, <laughs> there better be something amazing and obvious done to your engine. Yes. Like that engine never came in that car is what really qualifies. It's been chromed. Don't care. There's a mural under the hood. Irrelevant. The, the, if, if, but it's got that never came with that engine. Okay. You need to have your hood up. Right. Otherwise, you're going to be standing next to your car ready to With a sandwich suck board in trying to explain it to somebody. Some exactly right. Some yeah, poor idiot yeah. who's like, hey, what's under your hood? <laughs> John McGinnis asks if we've ever driven a second generation Toyota MR2 Turbo known mm. as the poor man's Ferrari. If yes, what are our thoughts? I do don't know that we have. We haven't, to my knowledge. I think we've had think two so. different yeah. opportunities to drive one, and it just never worked out. I'm yeah. worried about fitting in it, to be honest. Well, everyone I, mean, I you everyone stuffed I knew yourself that, into a K car and went, yes, true. these are cool. That's true. That was terrifying. <laughs> I barely, barely fit. You're right. It's all relative. Seth K. really enjoyed our GR86 versus used Cayman video. Mm. We enjoyed coming up with that idea, too. It was very fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. One of my all-time favorites. Seth would love to see other new versus used comparison videos at other price points, like $40,000 and $50,000. Hmm. Is something like that in the works? I suppose it could be, but it needs to be really relevant to the enthusiast community. Yeah. And the reason we settled on that was, was hey, this is what the GR86 cost. Thirty-four grand. What yep. else can you buy yep. for 30, 34 grand? That was our entire headspace. Mm-hmm. So we've got to have a new category-defining kind of enthusiast car 
for blank amount of money. I suppose yep. the GR Supra could fit in that category. I suppose a Dark Horse Mustang, something like that. But here's the problem, Seth. The higher end that we go, the more expensive that we go, mm. that gets almost too easy to suggest everything else mm -hmm. that you could have bought mm -hmm. with your money besides that car. Because once you hit 50, 60, 70, $80,000, now we can divide it into two cars. Now we can say, you know what? You could get a Miata and a, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's not how people something. shop, but how enthusiasts think. It's how enthusiasts <laughs> think and how they want to shop. Yes, you're right. Uh -huh. So then therefore, why are we spending this money? It's because you want it. Mm, that's good. That's and very good. The want will far outweigh the flaws or the the mm. reasons why you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. The the heartstrings. <laughs> we can't control what the heart wants, and you you would be willing to throw down, especially up there. So at the lower price point, that's where it gets really tough. Mm -hmm. It's like it's really tough to design a brilliant two dollar toothbrush. When you're tasked with designing the interior of a new airplane or a ship or somebody's mm -hmm, private yacht, mm -hmm. well, Money, okay, no also hard, but I probably got a pretty nice budget and we're going to import yeah, some yeah, yeah. nice stone from Italy and we're going to do <laughs> leather and we're going to do uh -huh, some nice uh -huh. stuff and have a custom furniture builder do this. And that's <laughs> almost too easy. But the, the simplest thing, make it good, make it brilliant, hit a price point mm -hmm. and make it category defining. Ooh, that's hard. That's what the GR86 did. And we were like, but everybody wants a Cayman. So how used do we have to go before we hit the GR86 sweet spot? It's very good. Yes, we can. Yeah. The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Keeping with the theme here. Yeah. Well done. Yes. <laughs> but at what point do we introduce, you know, Todd shows up with two cars, you know, I'll show up yeah. with an equivalent. Todd will You're be like, right. you know, there, I could buy three Miatas for what you just had. Well, and, and the secondary question, and I hate to say it, but this is the truth of YouTube. We we have to connect it to something that's being talked about or new. And mm -hmm. that was what worked great about the GR86 versus Cayman piece. We'd had conversations with people about that, and the GR86 was new, and the Cayman was going nowhere, which the, all it checked every single box. If you'll look back at any of our road trip pieces or any of our long-term pieces on the 300ZX that I had and your 928, mm -hmm. those are iconic cars. Mm -hmm. Those are both beloved cars with a major enthusiast group behind them. But outside of those groups or those of you that will watch anything we post, nobody clicks on that. Because yeah. those cars are, you can't see the air quotes, so old. <laughs> okay, But so they're flawed. They should be they're clicked awesome. on. So we have to bring it back to something more recent in effort to get people to even notice, which is a frustrating reality, but it does exist. You've got a Topic Tuesday, a Car Conclusion, or the hallowed car debate, the coveted yes, car debate. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Thank you for all your questions. Thank you for writing. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.